Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. I think we're recording now. I think so, so too. Yes, there we go. Charitable giving. I was thinking about this a lot. Um, yeah. Just because just, I think you get, I, I was, you know, I was, when you, when you started talking to me about the trust and stuff like that, um, yeah. you know, I, I had done this years past and then I kind of set it, forget it, and know that as I start to accumulate more assets, I'll have to come back and revisit it. But when you started to bring it up to me, I started to think about it again because I hadn't really thought about it in a while. And um, as I started to do more research, you know, you start to find out like once you have like over $20 million, then, you know, um, a lot of it, a lot of it's going to be taxed or things that are going to be done with your assets and stuff like that. And really, like you can, you can passively live off 20, like. $20 $20 million pretty easily. Um, yeah. So I started thinking, I was like, okay, well, what would I want to do once I'm beyond that, right? And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do what I, what I had already kind of set out to do is, you know, I want to give a lot of this to things that I believe, give a lot of way of this wealth while I'm alive um, uh, to causes that I believe in. And so yeah. I was like, okay, so, you know, you give 100K here and, uh, you know, maybe... A million, and then I a million dollars over there, and I was like, you know what? But once you once you give it right, <clears throat> um, then that money's just spent and gone, and you kind of have to keep giving it. And I think the yeah. smart way of doing it is take them take take a million dollars right for this one cause. Yeah. Maybe buy an investment or invest it. Well, like whatever you're good at, right? Like you and yeah. I aren't really stock guys, but there's people that are good at that, right? And yeah. they can make a lot of money on it. You know, take the money, yeah. invest it in stocks, and whatever that that fund creates for the year, it's just reoccurring. Yeah. It's like already directed towards that charitable yeah. cause. That way you can keep giving, like even way beyond your death. It's just you're, yeah. you know, it's it keeps going. Um, yeah. yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about that. And, and so, so when you bring up that piece of real estate, that's one thing that yeah. I was thinking about, right? Like, well, that, I mean, you know, that can always be something where you find something you believe in and whatever yeah. passive income it creates, yeah. it's just directed towards that cause, yeah. you know, yeah. once you're yeah. gone from the world. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, a, in, in a couple ways, it's a better gift because um, first off, you know, you're right about, the death tax. If you, I think it's if your assets are over like twelve million dollars, they start taxing you at like forty percent, which seems kind of crazy when you think about it. Because I understand. Well, I don't know. I, I think. I mean, there's sort of some reasons for that, but at the same time, like I always look at it as to what could the money do when you give it to specific people. And I could, you know, it's like you could always go list by list of what it could do or like when you're doing when you're buying a project or when you're um, starting a business or whatever it might be you're like okay this much money is going to create this much income it's going to go to these people it's going to go you know you're buying a property it's like okay there's the title company there's the lawyers involved there's the brokers there's the person you're buying from 
there's the person you're going to rent it out to, the businesses, all that. You can go down the line. But to me, it's like when it's just a, a tax, it's like, well, show me the receipt and itemize the receipt for me, and then I'll be all right with it. If you're saying like, okay, like this much is going into infrastructure, this much, cool. But it's never like that. It's just like, give us the money, and we don't know where it goes most of the time. And that, to me, is always my problem with all that. But okay, so, but what you're talking about is essentially giving somebody a like a passive stream of income. And I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, so you and I were talking beforehand, it's like I'm working on our wills and a lot of people get sort of freaked out about the idea of working on a will. It's like, oh my God, it's acknowledging that you're going to die. And I'm like, yes, children person, you are going to die. So, so why don't you act like an adult? Because I've gone through two probates with both my parents, one of whom for whatever reason, did not have an available copy of his actual will that was signed. Like I had an unsigned copy. I had copies of, you know, his will, but nothing, no original signed will. So I had to go through probate. Um, that is a huge pain in the ass when there are multiple states away and there's involving a sale of property as well at the same time. Uh, I highly don't recommend it. Um, and with my mom's, it was so complicated in terms of probate and going through. She had a trust as well. So there was both things had to go through both. They both took about seven months of constant me being a huge pain in the ass to the county of Dallas on one hand and to the, the all the people involved in the probate on, or the uh, trust on the other one. And so with all of it, it made me go, OK, I want to do this better. So it's like, I, I keep saying, like, I don't want people to be super excited when I'm dead, but I want them to be like, man, he did it right. It was smooth sailing when this guy died. Just boom, boom, boom. This goes here. This goes there. Boom. Because I look at it like your, your will is your last business transaction. And so, like you said, if you do it in a certain way, if you give people or charities or whatever it might be, income producing property or business or whatever it might be, I think that's in ways it's a better gift because... There's a reason why people that win the lottery usually go broke. I mean, most people have not developed the skills of how to handle money. So they just think about all the stuff they're going to spend it on. And it's like I was watching, uh, we're watching Breaking Bad again for like the 15th time. And there's a scene where Jesse does his first big drug deal and he's got like $400,000 in cash. And his girlfriend, who's soon to overdose on heroin, is like, oh, this buys us freedom. We can go anywhere and be anything. And it's like 400000 bucks, which is a lot of money. But if you think you can go anywhere and do anything with 400 grand, no, you can't. You're going to run out of that money. Like that mentality of like, oh, I can just buy money and do whatever. It's like you're clearly going to run out of money way faster than you think. Plus, you're addicted to heroin. So you're going to run out of it way, way faster or you're probably going to die before you even spend it all. So it's versus if it was something where, OK, I've inherited something that's going to make me $10,000 a month after taxes in perpetuity, or if it's, you know, a commercial property, it's $10,000 a month this, this year. And next year it's going to be $11,000 a month. And it's going to go up a certain amount. Um, and I have somebody managing it to me. That's, that's a better gift because you're kind of giving somebody a gift with responsibility, but a gift that also can bring you more money. And if you learn how to harness it, it can bring you even more money versus if you just give somebody a chunk of money, it's like, Kind of it goes back to the Jesse analogy. If you just give yeah. them a chunk of money and they don't know what to do with it, then they just they're just going to run out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you give them um, an in, uh, some sort of uh, income producing asset yeah. and it's managed correctly, it will produce income for indefinitely. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. So that's so I, I've been thinking about it a lot. Another a lot. thing I've been thinking about Carter is um, 
and I haven't gotten to the point yet just because we're still I I, uh, I still feel like my best years are ahead of me. I don't know if it's okay. but you know uh, they they're saying you know 40 43 is the new uh, 23 is that what they're saying? I don't know. I think they but, are. That's what I've heard. <laughs> but so I haven't got to a point yet where I'm I'm ready to like offload huge chunks of cash, yeah. right? Um, because I still, I am keeping my eye out for like good deals and stuff like that. Right. Like I'm still really in the game and and, and, and business. Um, but like my heart really is set on giving everything, giving what I'm going to give away while I'm alive. Yeah. Right. Like I, I was, cause I was thinking about like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for my brother. This is what I'm going to do for all my nephews and nieces. Yeah. Uh, my brother has a lot of kids. Um, (laughs) So I got to make more choose. money. I got to make more money. Choose though. Do you? Or do they, they just have to compete amongst each other to do better? Because they, let's say, how many kids does he have? Earn it. How many kids does he have? He's five. Five kids. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. It's like, now we could do 20, 20, 20, 20. Or uh, one over here, you're kind of lagging here. This might be a four-way 25. You might see. I have favorites. You can have favorites. <laughs> Absolutely have favorites. That's the best yeah. thing about not having kids or, or, you know, being your nieces or whatever nephews. It's like, man, you can pick and choose. Be like, yeah. I like you. I like you. You, mm, you're on the borderline, and no way with you. I mean, you're so- just gonna waste this money. I, I already, I already, I love you, but I know you're gonna waste this money. Um, but I, you know, I was thinking, I, 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 so I was like, okay, so you know, when Sally and I pass away, this is, you know, we're we're going down, you know, her list of family and my list of family, and this is. And I was like, no, 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 no. What what I really want to do, ideally, right? It's much easier to think about it when you're at a certain point financially of what's going to happen with your assets once you pass away. Yeah. But I think when you when you're really at this, when you really have a lot of money, you yeah. want to give that money away while you're alive, right? <laughs> the reason you don't get, the reason I think a lot of people don't give the money away, or at least for me, I'm speaking for myself. The yeah. reason you don't give the money away while you're alive right now is because you still need that money to yeah. to make more and more money, sure. right? But once you get to that number that is like, okay, I am like financially indestructible uh, for the most part, unless I go to jail or something, uh, right? And that's for most people, unless they, unless they, as long as they don't die or go to jail, like, uh, you know, you can continue to make money and and, and stuff like that. But uh, once I reach the number of being what I consider financially indestructible, then I'm like, you're at a point where I feel like I'm at a point where I want to give that. Ideally, I want to give this money away while I'm alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I don't, you, you know, even though you clearly structure things, and I think when you give it away, first of all, um, when you give it away while you're alive, um, they're, they're going to be able to use it, right? M- most likely. Um, and you can offer some, some guidance even on how exactly. they use it. Exactly. I agree. Um, you know, so I, I plan to give it and say, like, look, this is yours. I don't have any control of it. You can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Um, but if you want some advice, I can tell you how to, you know, potentially turn that money into more money. And, yep. um, but it's completely up to you. Like, you can do that. Um, and number two, I, I'd like to see them be able to enjoy the money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as I have my own sel- selfish uh, reasons. And number three, I think it does protect you from some like infighting and, and like yeah. sourness and not that that should even matter. Like, and it won't matter. Right. When yeah, I'm dead, none of this crap is going to matter. You don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't want it. Cause it's like, you've seen it from, you know, if you're buying mobile homes at any point, 
you're dealing with that at some to yeah. some degree. and we've dealt dealt with it so i've been through probate but i've also bought property that was in probate with somebody else and i've i've done deals where there's been you know death divorce like family like fighting over stuff like you know guys there up and leaves over the night and the woman's trying to sell the house a couple days later i've dealt with like oh this is this guy's dead aunt he lives in new york like blah blah like all those situations and as much as we want to think like okay people are just going to get along and blah 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 but when when money is involved um people can change how they act on this stuff and especially when it's people who don't have a lot of money um they it can get really nasty really really nasty and if you're able to divvy things out while you're still alive it's like you, you do get to circumvent that because it's like and it's kind of cool too because i don't know about you but at a certain age i don't know what age it was i started to really enjoy giving gifts way more than getting them like i mean i like getting gifts but it's like i, I much 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 more enjoy giving them to people and, and like getting to see somebody open stuff or whatever like you know whatever it might be it's like i mean to me getting the, the lot next door and you know surprising chantelle like on her birthday with that that was my i don't know if i can ever do it that really is probably the peak gift i can ever do um because it was so sneaky it took me weeks of negotiating you know when she was out of town and being real sneaky about it and all that but it's like that to me is way more fun than like i don't know like if someone were to buy that and give it to me or whatever like it, to me it's just not i, I don't I, you know what i mean so yeah. it also think, shows it also shows your woman that you're a that you're you're a you're a power broker you know you make moves <laughs> you make things happen sometimes <laughs> sometimes but um yeah no it, it so yeah I, I like that idea i've thought about that too with when i was meeting with a lawyer about with llc's she's like you know you can add somebody as you know when you pass away, they become it becomes their LLC essentially, um, which I'd be interested in doing that because it's something where then it's not like you know when you sell a property, there's all the um, capital gains tax and all the different things that go involved with selling a property. And another thing that people may not know about is almost every time you sell a property, the tax people are going to come out and reevaluate that that property's worth. And and guess what? It's always going to be worth way more. Yeah die um so that's their business it's, yeah so it's like not only are they getting hit with you know the tax burden stuff like that but the, if they continue to own the property the taxes they're going to pay are going to be way more per year versus if you give someone and, an llc give it and i will and, th and that's the that's the argument that i will make where like because when 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 tracy went over that stuff with me it did so i i understand what you're saying about like well yeah that's part of it like i want them to be responsible for it but like, I also know that some of the assets that are going to people, yeah. they're just not going to know anything about it. They don't really, that's not their, that's not what they do in life. Right. Like they're not. And so it would be part of like, well, that's what they, now they got to do that in life. Right. Like they got to figure it out, but, but they're not. So like, for me, it's like, how can I, how can I transfer this wealth and make it as easy on them as, as humanly possible. Yeah. And if it goes wrong, then well, at least I can say I did everything I could. Yeah. I'm dead. I don't care. Just let me, <laughs> let me rest. Yeah. Let me just rest now. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say this, this could be real. If there is an afterlife, this could be really stressful. I'm just thinking about this. Cause it's like, man, <laughs> you're dead now. You're like, okay, cool. No more responsibilities, whatever. I'm floating around. And then you're watching somebody like screw your business up or whatever. No, I don't like, want to know. Oh, I don't want to know. Like, 
Let's change the name to Roll Gliss. Why? I don't know. It just glistens. Or something. What? No. You're just like, oh, let's get into ballet uniforms instead. You're like, no, no. And they start doing it or whatever it is, you know, and just, it just, it just makes death very unpleasant. So uh, for the afterlife. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I was talking to different people and I, I this woman that I'm, I'm good friends with, and she was saying how like her husband, like doesn't want to do their wills, even though like they have two kids, one of which is a teenager. So it's not like, like this is a new phenomenon. They literally have not updated their wills since their kids were born. And then she's like, oh, well, he just doesn't like the, the thought of it because it, you know, reminds him of dying. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, God, that annoys me because it's just like that's so crazy, especially when you have kids to be like, no, I'm scared of dying. So I'm not going to prepare for the future when I die. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's but, it, well, but it's fairly, it's fairly people like you. It, it, yeah, it, it definitely it, it, people like us um, for sure. And that's not to say that I'm some like, you know, I, you know, I, I I'm pretty just from my old profession i'm pretty comfortable with death at this point but when i say that i don't mean that to say like oh i'm ready to die like you know or or that i'm some like you know tough guy and and i don't care about living or anything like that i i I do but i understand the reality that uh, of of the cycles like the seasons right and um and so yeah and so for people like us it just completely contradicts the idea of stoicism right because like stoicism you almost want to say that it's hard to enjoy living until you understand the concept of death right yeah yeah because it's like to me um i I like the the concept of of closure in life so you know with um you know with both my parents i was lucky to have closure before they died like and what I think about closure is just sort of saying whatever it is you've wanted to say in life, you know, good, bad, kind of whatever it is. And and I have that with all the people in my life. Um, and then to me, like when you have things like your will done, that's another form of closure so that it doesn't turn into, you know, chaos when you're dead. And And the reason I think about that is you know, no matter how successful somebody is in life, I mean, we take Prince, the famed singer who, oops, died of a drug, drug overdose a few years ago, who is probably, you know, his song catalog alone is probably worth like a billion dollars. No will. He had no will. And it's like, that's crazy to me that you're going to leave that chaos, that infighting, you know, whoever's his sister or whoever, I don't think he had kids. So it's going to be like, you know, his sister and his cousin or whoever's going to fight over this thing forever. And it's just, it's like weirdly irresponsible. And, you know, as the uh, bullet is approaching my head or I'm flying out the windshield or, you know, whatever, or, or Josh <laughs> decides he's had enough of me, he's like, now you can see the dark side and he starts choking me to death. Um, if I hadn't had that settled, I feel like my last thoughts would be unsettling. I don't know. I guess remains to be seen. But to me, it's just like, that's, I, I feel like that, causes unhappiness or that to me it's like that would be i don't know to me i feel like it's a way of constantly not being at ease if you haven't created closure in that and and i see people do that with like okay family members who haven't talked for like years because they're pissed at this thing and it's like they're both sort of assuming they'll be alive long enough to somehow sort this out at some point and i'm like that to me is more foolish than being like okay 
I have said whatever I want to say to this person. I don't think I need to say anything more. That's a different thing. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like mm-hmm. I've seen this happen where it's like they're literally feuding and then eventually somebody dies. And it's like now there's all this unhappiness because they they ne- they had all these they didn't have that closure. So right. I think closure is important on that. And I think closure on your finances and your your legacy or, or however you want to phrase it is also important. So hopefully, um, at least for the next week or so, everything, you know, just no one dies and then I get this stuff done and then. I guess then I'm ready, but uh, I'm not not, <laughs> really, not hoping, but it's, you know, you got to be as prepared as you can be. So, yeah, well, you know, we were talking about this the other day, right? Like, um, uh, people are, you, you know, let's say don't worry and stuff like that. And I was telling you, one of the things that I always tell my son is that, you know, that old quote, right? Like, um, those that fail to prepare, prepare to fail. But Ray Dalio has one that I like even better where he says, uh, if you worry, you don't need to worry. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I really, really love that. And I think that that really goes into the mindset of what an entrepreneur is because people that don't have that entrepreneurial mindset, they're going to be listening to what you're saying. And I guarantee you because they're not entrepreneurs, yeah. their default is, Oh, that's a great example. Everything he's t- Carter's talking about is a great example of more money, more problems. And they're missing <laughs> the point. No, seriously, they yeah. are, they will use this conversation as a reason to be poor. This is why I'm poor, brother. This yep. is why I'm poor because I don't want to have to worry about that stuff. You yep. know, when you don't have any money and you're broke, you don't really yep. have to worry about doing a will. Really? Yep. Like yep. that's why you, you're going to stay broke and destitute yep. because you don't want to put a will or you don't, you know, yep. uh, put a trust together. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I was watching. So again, going back to Breaking Bad, it's, it's interesting to watch a show over and over again because you can get different things from it and one thing that was interesting to me watching it is listening to the sort of i guess you call like the middle class like stuck in the rat race mentality about money that all the characters except for walter white and gus frame have because there there's just a lot of conversations about money and it's just like like oh what do you got a big bag of money oh did like all this oh it must be nice like all this stuff about like it must be nice to have money and never a thought about how do you earn more money except for Walter when he realizes I have an ability to make something that's extremely valuable. And then you have somebody like Gus Frain who's already knows that and is doing that and just trying to be as low profile as possible. But everybody else is, I don't know, like it's, it's, a, it's a different mentality. And when you see like it's that idea of, and it's like, I remember that mentality with people growing up where it's like, you know, must be nice or money doesn't grow on trees or like this weird, like uh, sort of fantasizing about having money, but never being practical about it all. And I'm not saying practical in terms of like, well, I'm just going to work for a company for 40 years, and then retire and, you know, have my pension versus being like, OK, well, there's clearly people that make a lot of money. Um, what are they doing? Like, what skills do I have or could I develop that could could get me closer to that? Or could I meet somebody like that? Or could I intern for someone like that or, or study it or read about it or whatever? It's like this weird, like, you know, sort of like, oh, I wish I could play in the NBA, but, you know, would you, you want to play basketball? We got a basketball? No, no, it's cool. I'm just going to wish. I mean, like, it's it's a weird attitude that a lot of people have about that. And then it's also um, like you see problems in something and like there's people that get invested in the problem where they're just like this is so unfair this thing is so boring or whatever versus i always look at it i know you always look at it as like dude that's an opportunity 
I mean, this happened with um, my wife recently where she's doing, so it's yoga teacher, teacher training. So now she's training to be able to teach people to teach yoga, right? She's already got a yoga teacher thing, so she can already teach yoga, but now she's teaching people how to teach. And this one has gone on for like a year. It's like one week in a month and it's been terrible. Like it's like 10 hours a day on the weekend, super boring. Just like the way it's done is very disorganized and all this stuff. And it's like, she's, and I, I know she just, you know, wanting to vent. And of course she will hopefully never hear this podcast anyway, but it's like, she, you know, so she's talking about it and she's saying how bad it is. And I'm like, here's your opportunity because she wants to transition away from a lot of the work she's doing into more like yoga fitness type stuff. And I'm like, you could do this. You could create these trainings. You could work with Diana, the woman who taught you, and you could make something really awesome. And look how much money you're paying for this thing. People would pay way more for something better. You could do like I'm like this being bad is the opportunity. And it's like she keeps just going back to how bad it is. I'm like, and and that I think is why you and I are entrepreneurs because it's like as soon as somebody talks about something being terrible, our eyes light up. You're like, oh, you just made me like I almost want to. I almost want to stop the 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 podcast. And, you know, people, people will think they just don't get it. They they don't get what your passion is. Right. So like they think like, uh, I'm not going to put you with me, but they'll think like, oh, all Mo thinks about is money. And it's just it's just my it's just my passion. Right. Like as soon as you started talking, I was th- yeah. immediately what I thought about is, OK, how can I take this teacher certification online? Yes. How can I take it online? How yep. can I get on Kajabi, start putting yeah. the courses together, teach the teachers, give the certifications and yep. make this thing a, like, a, you know, just cash flow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Love. Exactly. And, and it's because anytime you run into something being done poorly, you're usually not the only one. So in other words, it's like, you know, she's got friends that are in this thing and they're all like, this is terrible versus the when she did the teacher training, it was great. It was like, it literally was life-changing for her, like literally life-changing. So to me, it's like when you have that juxtaposition of one thing that really changed the direction in your life and you have enough hindsight now that you can really truly say that versus something else that had that been what was first presented, it wouldn't have changed anything. Like if anything, you probably would have been like, I don't even know if I, I mean, because she's the kind of person who's always going to complete something, she would have completed it, but it's like not with any enthusiasm or gusto, you know what I mean? So yeah. To me, that always what shows. Like, what, I, I almost feel like it's an off, it's a, it's an off uh, air topic. But what's the end game? Like she put, she, I, I, obviously, I, I know Chantel is very, 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 very passionate yeah. about yoga. Like yeah. she feels about yoga probably the way she probably feels stronger about yoga than we even do maybe with jujitsu. I don't know. Uh, but maybe she feels the same way about yoga the way we feel about jujitsu. What's the end game? Like why do all the courses and classes and all that stuff? Well, she's teaching, I think, three or four days a week right now. So she's teaching a lot. Um, I think the end game probably is turning that more into a career. Um, I mean, right now it's like it's just like play money, however you want to say it. I mean, it's not real money that she's making. But I think she could because the thing is, like, she brings an interesting set of skills already. Like, she has a lot of online marketing knowledge that she gets paid a lot of money to do for other companies. She had 10 plus years teaching as a college professor. Um, She has the middle-aged suburban woman who wants to be fit and balance everything in her life audience because she is that. Like that's an enormous audience. And the thing is, is she's going to be somebody that inspires people her age, but doesn't threaten them. 
Because the thing is, when you have like a, a like 25-year-old woman teaching this stuff, it's not the same effect because women look at it and they get jealous and they're like, I, I don't want my husband to see this, like versus, you know, my wife's 45 and she looks great, but it's like she's 45. So it's not the same like threat. It's like she's one of us, but she's like the version I could be because it's that's and and that's a huge thing. Yeah, the 25 is the, the, the they view the 25 year old as a threat. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. it's like they, they view the 45 year old as the goal. Yes. And you and I are no different in terms of when I listen to somebody talk about like health and longevity or whatever, I'm listening to like a 70 year old Steve Maxwell who can still get on the mat and still, you know, in good shape and all that. I'm not listening to like a 30 year old talk to me about longevity because it's like or like a 20 year old is like you know how i stay healthy on the mats bro yeah you're 20 years old that's how you stay healthy on the mats bro exactly so it's like so people i was once 20 years old so i remember and the, to me it's like when people look at that as a bad thing i'm like it's actually a good thing from a business point of view because all those you know let's take that 30 year old who thinks they know everything or whatever they're only about i don't know seven or eight years away from being more middle-aged than they realize so they're going to join the ranks at some point. It's like the the middle age is kind of the oldest, the longest age. I mean, like between middle age and old age, that's very yes. mm, hard to say. Yes, what that yes, is. yes. That's so, so good, Carter. So you're, so you're there for a lot longer. So to me, it's like if you can capture that market, well, okay, I'm 40, you know, I'm 48. You know, you capture that market. It's like, well, people around your age, you know, five years from now, guess what? They're still going to be around your age. Yeah. And they're still yeah. going to have the same concerns in terms of wanting to be healthy, wanting to be relevant, staying in the game. Like that doesn't go away. Yes. If anything, it becomes more important as time goes on. So if you can capture that and sort of lead it and walk the walk with them, that's a huge thing. And, and the other thing, too, is let's be honest, that those are the markets that have the most money. I mean, like they, that's, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You're usually, you know, getting into the the prime of your life financially yeah. in those moments. Yes. Um one thing I will say about that as well, and this is just business basics 101 right here, is you have to have to know your target audience. Yeah, I you agree. have to know who you're yeah. selling to, what yes. makes them tick. Um, and so uh, the thing about that is that when, you, when you're, I can always tell who's a noob in business is because when I ask them, okay, well, who's your target, target audience? Who are you mm -hmm. selling to? Everyone, bro. Yeah. Everyone. And I was that guy too, yeah. you know, that used to think that. And it's like, no, no, you're not. Because when you try to sell to everyone, you will sell to no one. I agree. I agree with that. And and it's, you know, I think the other thing too is that. And also you're uh, just going really quick. And this is maybe not high level stuff, but yeah. stuff that Chantel obviously understands because she does it for a living. Yeah. When you're blogging and doing SEO, one of the first things, if you go, if you sign up with an agency to do your SEO, to do your marketing, the first thing they're going to ask you is, well, who's your audience? Because yeah. I know I have to know how to tailor the content, Yeah. right? Yeah. The keywords, all that stuff is going to change based yep. on who your audience is. Do I need to write the 40-year-old that, you know, is looking to be fit and successful as opposed to, you know, everyone? Which yeah. will, because that content will go to no one. No one. And the, and the thing is also that, you know, to me, it's like you take all the things that are supposedly a disadvantage and you see where's the advantage. So another thing with people getting older, they always say somebody's older, they're like set in their ways and things like that. I think that's a good thing because if you're trying to appeal to 20-year-olds, what they like now is going to change vastly in six months or in three months. You know, it's like, oh, they like this TikTok influencer. Now they like this, they like that. It's like 
trying to keep up with that is impossible because they're leading the trends and they're like living in trends and all that kind of thing. You know, when you're somebody who's middle-aged, it's really, it's about making sure you have enough money and making sure you're healthy enough to enjoy it and making sure the the loved ones, the kids or whoever you're taking care of is happy, healthy, and successful. It's like really those three things. Those are the main things. And those are not going to change. They're not. I mean, like, so, so that idea of like, well, you're sort of limiting, you know, your audience and you're li- good. That's a good thing because most people are not. The other thing that I noticed, and I don't know if you notice this too much, but, you know, as a, as a middle-aged guy, like there is not a lot out there catering to us anymore. Like the, the audience of like, you know, the 25 to 34 year old or like whatever it is, like, or you see all these, we talked about before Joe Rogan or the Andrew Tates or whatever. Those are all really targeted at young guys, guys in their twenties and thirties, like guys in their forties and fifties. It's like, there's not a lot of people out there that are actually targeting us. I mean, in ways it's like, they expect us to pay for everything, but in terms of actually targeting us being like, let me ask you this, let me ask you this, because now you bring up a very something that I'm really interested in because I was telling my son, okay, first of all, I'm going to go off on a little tangent and I have to, uh, write down this cause I'll forget it as I go through this, uh, <laughs> tangent, you know, just remember the question, how do you target someone who's 40 and 50? And the reason why I, before, before we get into that question, I'm going to go off on a tangent because it, it's, it's so important to selling this, uh, last, um, my son's reading this book right now that I gave him. I forgot what, what, what the name of the, it's called the like extraordinary salesman club or something like that. Right. Um, and, um, it basically the, the premise is about being a good listener. Right. And and so, well, with all this stuff going on with AI and chat GPT and all that stuff, um, it's been around for a while, right? Like that's what Google does, right? Like if you type in a sentence into us, into the search engine, right. And then you keep kind of like typing similar things. Eventually, it will predict what you're going to say before you even finish the sentence, right? So the way I made the connection, I asked my – basically this morning, we're eating breakfast. And I was like, okay, so you're reading this book. Tell me what you're learning. And I was like, hey, son, who do you think the best salesman in the world is? And he's like, ah. You know, he doesn't answer the question. And I'm like, it's Google. Google's the best salesman in the world. Do you understand why? And here is where he really impressed me because he answered it. He goes, because Google's the best listener. I said, 100%. Yeah. That is all Google does. Google mm-hmm. never talks to you. It doesn't open its mouth. It doesn't, it, it's not interested in having a conversation with you. Yeah. It's only interested in doing one thing, listening to what you want. Yeah. Because it's going to figure out how you like to dress by what websites are you going to. It's going to figure out what restaurants you like to go to by looking at your maps and yeah. what restaurants you're frequenting. Yeah. And then once it, it, it recognizes what your interests are, now mm-hmm. it knows how to sell to you. Now yep. it knows how to manipulate you into yep. buying. And I'm manipulated every day. I buy, I basically buy stuff all the time yep. because Google puts ads in front of me that yep. I didn't even type into the search engine that I just talked about with maybe you, right? Yep. And yep. like it's like, hey, man, you know, my son wants a bike. And yep. then before you know it, it's like all these ads come up on different bikes that I can buy nearby. Google yep. is a great listener. Yep. So what do you think that the – um, that the 40, the 50 year old guy, what, what is it that they want? How do you sell to them? What, 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 what is important to them now? How do you, and people aren't going to like this word, but it's true. 
how do you manipulate them, persuade them, whatever you want to say to, to, to buy? Yeah. I, I think, you know, what I would say is that making them feel like they're still relevant because that's the thing that's, I try and explain it to my wife, like, and I don't know when this happened and this could just be me, but it's, I don't think it's just me. Cause I've talked to other guys about it. Um, you start feeling like you just don't exist anymore. It's like, like, and the way people treat you starts changing. Like I, I noticed it, like, I don't feel different, like physically or anything like that. I think I look relatively the same as I've looked in the last you know 25 years, but people start treating you differently. Like you go to the store and like the way they talk to you just, I don't know. There's, there's something different that happens. I got to know. I know. I got to know. I got to know more in detail. Like, so like, how do people talk, talk to you at the store that's different from how they talk to you 10 years from now? Cause I almost have a different take on this. I feel like, I feel like I'm get, I get more respect now well, than I did. Okay. I'll say this. I, I get more respect. It, it actually depends on where you're going. So I, I can give you two examples. One of which I know you've been to. Um, so a couple days ago, we were out and about, she and I, and we decided to go eat at this like cool hipster place on the east side. People don't know the east side used to be, uh, it used to be where Mo would uh, box 20 years ago. So that gives you an idea of what it used to be like. And now it's like a bunch of guys and scarves and ironic glasses and like, and uh, Vespas. yeah, doing Vespas <laughs> and doing all this stuff. Right? A lot of people where it's just like, you just look at them and go like, what if I just calf kick this guy as hard as I could right now? What would happen? Like, <laughs> How, how long did you stop crying? Um, so we went to this place and it's like, okay, we have seating, but it's all, you have to go order at the counter. And everyone who's like ordering at the counter is literally like, they're talking to the person for like 10 minutes. There's a line of people and they're literally just having a conference. Oh, let me taste the wine and doing all this. Some guy in a scarf. And I'm like, I'm just fantasizing. I'm just, I'm just going to kick this dude as hard as I can. I'm just going to kick him and see what happens. I'm going to foot sweep him on his head and just see what happens. So, and then you get there and they're just like, hey man, oh, so what can I get you, man? And they're just, there's like this weird, like sort of young calling me dude, calling me man, like, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, they're trying to make little small talk. And I'm like, I feel like they're being rude and disrespectful to the people that were waiting in line. I feel like the whole thing is unnecessarily complicated and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it makes me hostile. So we have that experience of something, and it's not cheap either. This place was not a cheap place. Now we think about a place like Jeffrey's that you and I have both been to. Jeffrey's treats you right. They make you feel important. They make you feel like you matter, and they realize you're going to be throwing down about three or 400 bucks on this meal. So you're a person of some means, and we will respect that. So if you go to the right places, I agree with you. You do start getting treated better because quite frankly, you can't afford the right places when you're a certain age, unless you're, you know, famous or whatever, a YouTuber. Um, but, you know, as you get older, like the places like Jeffries or, or different places that are sort of catering to maybe older people, they treat you right. The yeah. places that cater to younger people, like, because there's people that are like, oh, I just want to hang out with young people and feel young. It's like, to me, they just, they don't. Like, I, I don't know, it's, just, it, it's like a weird difference in the yeah. way. I don't want to hang out with young people and feel young. I, so, um, <laughs> so I, to answer the, to go back to the whole question of, of how do you make older, you know, middle-aged dudes feel, or like, how do you sell to them? I, yeah, because what, what is it that they want? Yeah, that's that's what you got to figure out. What do they want? I think they want to feel, re- feel relevant. I want to think that they, I want to feel like they still can 
improve like physically and, and things like that because there is a trap of thinking that a lot of guys get into where they start equating getting older is meaning everything bad physically starts happening and i really really don't think that is true i mean i know from my own personal experience after the age of 40 i've made some of the biggest gains in my life uh, workout wise for sure martial arts wise striking wise grappling wise there's been a huge amount of improvement from you know the last six seven years for me let me ask you this so the imp- uh, they still want to be able to feel like they can improve that's a big one yes that's a really really big one yeah. um, and that one pretty to, to me is like okay I understand what that means yeah. and I think I know how to de- you know how, if I had to deliver that how yeah. would I deliver it because I'm like you were saying with Chantel, I'm in that area, right? So I know what I would want. I yep. so pretty much would relate to what other people, uh, my age group would want. Yeah. But what does it mean? What do you have to do to make them still feel relevant? Because to me, that's different from making them feel like they can still improve. That's that's a good question. Um, you know, in terms of that, I, I mean, it could be little things in terms of, you know, the way you dress at a certain age should change a little bit. Like there, there's, you know, there's guys that are our age that, that are still trying to dress like young guys. And there's, there's, um, I know, you know, just from talking to Chantel, it's like, there's a lot of women that it's like, they're just not dressing appropriately for their age. And it makes them look sort of desperate or whatever you want to say. Can I say that? I, I, I yes. I, and because you know how I am with fashion. I mean, fashion you know, yeah, I, I, I do, man. I, I really, I, you know, Sally are, are, are really both into fashion. Yeah. Um, I mean, Robles really is, is yeah. that's what it's, you know, that's, that's part of the business. Yeah, um, but even outside of that, and I'll tell you one thing that is, is, is such an error that men make is that when they try to they don't, they don't adapt. They're still dressing how they dressed in their twenties. And a lot of it is not what I've come to realize. I used to think that a lot of the uh, middle-aged dudes that dress like they were in their twenties is because they're trying to be young. That's not true. Now I understand it's not true. What has happened is that in their mind, they still associate themselves as being 20 years old. I'm still a young dude. Check out me in my high top Jordans. And you know what I mean? Cause that's how you dressed when you were 20. And yeah. you're not trying to be young. In your mind, you're still young. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You haven't you haven't come to terms with. But to me, I loved because when I was 20, I always wanted to be the Michael Corleone. I was like, man, I can't wait till I'm like 40 and I can yeah. start dressing like I want to yeah. wear those. I want to wear those nice suits. I want to wear this. I want to wear those double monk straps. Yeah. I want my stuff to be tailored and fitted. Yeah. I want the three piece. Yep. Because well, I think what what you're saying about that and what that is implicitly implying is that, oh, I still think I'm this because being 20 means you're young and vibrant and you matter and, and the world is catering to you and the world is your oyster. But if you're 40, oh, no one cares. You're an old man. You're irrelevant. And it's like, if you if you decide that's what it is, then then yeah, it'll probably be that. But it doesn't have to be like that. But being happy with 40 and making improvements is not the same thing as being 20 and that's a good thing and it's its own thing and therefore it should you know be dressed different look at things different and all that because you do have the advantage of wisdom but it doesn't mean that you're like beaten down and crippled and all these like negative things that people always talk about when they talk about getting older because it's like because if you decide it's going to go that way then it will go that way but if you decide it can go a different way. And that doesn't mean that like, 
okay, now I'm going to get a facelift and be on TRT and do another. Cause to me, that's another way of trying to look how you looked. And that's why when you see like mainly women or whatever with Botox and facelifts and all that, it just looks weird and desperate because it's I feel like, like what you're saying is you want to age gracefully. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. And, and try as opposed to holding on to who you were. There's a difference. Exactly. It's like you're embracing who you are now. And, and I don't think there's a lot of catering to that because the catering is trying to be like, oh, you know, you'll act like you, you'll feel like you did when you were 20. And I'm like, why would I want to feel like I did when I was 20? The world was a terrifying, confusing place for me. And I was working at a, an audiovisual place. And, and here's my business idea for like uh, Chantel or anyone that's doing something towards the middle age group. So you said, and, and we're kind of going, this is kind of what Carter and I do when we're not on air, when we're talking about yeah. business ideas. Yeah. Um, you said, um, embrace who you are now, right? Yes. And I think it should be embrace who you can become now. Yes. I like that. Beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't think there's a lot of that out there because I think a lot of it is always like, even when it's marketed to the middle-aged people, it's always like, so you can become young again. And it's like, no, like you're not going to, but that's okay. There's something glorious about now. And it's, it's, it, you're right. I, I really like the way you said that. So yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's what it is. Boom. There we go. There you go. Another mastermind in the books. Yeah. yeah. To re-listen to this episode or to check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also, check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. As always, I am Mo. That is my brother, Carter. And we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by RuleBliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the RuleBliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at RuleBliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.